0: Hi, everyone. I want to take a moment and talk about the Sober Curious non alcoholic beverage alternative movement or revolution that is becoming more and more seen in the mainstream. Although the idea of dry January or Sober Curious isn't new. It's been around since 2012. These days, there's more awareness around the dangers of drinking and folks wanting an alternative to alcohol to the point where the alcohol industry is taking notice. Based on a report by Nielsen between August 2021 and August 2022. Total sales of non-alcoholic drinks in the U.S. was $395 million. In 2024, it is predicted that an increase NA beverages such as beer, wine, and spirits without alcohol will be up by 24%. Even celebrities are joining this trend such as Blake Lively and Katy Perry who are creating non-alcoholic beverages of their own. Why is this happening now? Well, in the next three episodes, you will hear some personal stories why drinking behaviors are changing. I'll be interviewing people who question their relationship with alcohol and how this process impacted their lives. Take a listen. Welcome to Recovery Plus Podcast. Fuck yesterday, focus on today. I'm your host, Dr. May Lee Hannon. Here, we celebrate and honor people in recovery one conversation at a time. Let's talk. Welcome back. This is episode 38. Have you ever been concerned about your drinking? Well, my next guest, Katie McLaren an Enneagram business coach from Fort Collins, Colorado, is reevaluating her relationship with alcohol as we speak. After experiencing a very challenging and stressful 2019, the pandemic, and a changing body, Katie began to question the role of alcohol in her life. This journey has focused on better understanding her triggers, reshaping her friendships, and improving her mental and physical well-being. Take a listen. Well, hi,
1: Katie. Thank you for coming on my podcast. Appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk about this. So let's dive in. Tell me a little bit about your relationship with alcohol and the progression and how it's changed. I would say I was a partier.
2: I would describe myself that way. Um, probably until I probably my late 30s. I, um, you know, looking back, alcohol has never really gotten along well with my body. I ignored that for a really long time. Used to get alcohol poisoning um, pretty easily where, you know, I've had a few trips to urgent care. Um, and I was just kind of made a, a workaround. And um, I think I was very much part of the binge drinking culture in college, and I love to dance. I loved um, to have a good time. And I think like many people, um, I used alcohol to um, relax in social situations. And um, yeah, I mean, I think it was, I wouldn't describe it as a, um, you know, toxic addiction. Um, but it definitely had moments and, and many times over the years where it was really unhealthy for me. And I think as I've gotten older, it, things have changed. My body has changed. And, um, you know, like, I think a lot of people, I've had a lot of conversations with friends, um, post COVID that those, you know, kind of two tumultuous years, 2020 and 2021 changed either, you know made things worse into in terms of if you had some type of um, problem with alcohol um, or it's, you know, um, really opened your eyes in terms of not being able to do the same things we could before, particularly in 2020 with friends yeah, or gatherings. So I think, um, you know, I think it's been a long road to wanting to have a different relationship with alcohol, um, and I think I'm in a very much an exploration stage right now um, with what that looks like and how I manage. Um, I guess I'll describe it as a relationship. And
1: so, party and all of this kind of stuff. And how did you see alcohol in that party mentality for you personally?
2: I think like many people, you know, I went to a lot of bars. I went to house parties, Um, you know, and I don't think I really monitored. I didn't really drink a lot on my own um, until I um, started living with my husband and I think my work became more stressful and I started to, to realize it was more, I was drinking more by myself than I was with other people. And, you know, um, I don't, it's interesting. I've never really used alcohol to numb it always helps me feel more that makes sense um because i repress my feelings push them down and i feel like alcohol is in some ways open doors to um feeling those feelings or being able to vocalize um things that were going on with me so i don't know things have shifted and i um <laughs> You know, I've got as I got older, I'm almost, I'll be 50 this year. And I think those social groups and those social situations morphed a lot just with age and time. And then COVID really changed a lot of that as well.
1: How did that affect you during COVID? Um, I would say my
2: trajectory toward, you know, um, wanting to seriously shift my relationship and use of alcohol happened a little bit before the pandemic. Just- I had a really hard personal year in 2019, a lot of challenges and, you know, I caught myself drinking a lot more and I talked to my husband about it. Um, and, you know, I think I went through a couple of like sober months and um, 2020, because I, I think I'd already had like, you know, I was developing some better self-care routines and um, managing, you know, trying to take better care of my body after that really stressful year, 2020 just kind of um, rooted some things better than, you know, it, was, it wasn't like this immediate shift overnight, but I think not already like moving away from some of the the situations where I drank more or how I managed myself on my own shifted with 2020. So, and I just had a lot more conversations. People were talking about it. Um, and I think knowing that those like, you know, going out to drink, going to restaurants, happy hours, all of that kind of went away for a while. I think a lot of people, at least in my circle, started to reflect more on how much they were drinking and why.
1: And so what does, with that, I mean, you're kind of describing what's going on with the world about certain materials. Tell me a little bit about how or if that did seem to kind of like what, you what you're talking about.
2: Well, I didn't... I didn't really know what it meant and it's it's a curious phrase um is a curious yes yeah it is a weird <laughs> nonsense, but it's a good one I didn't catch myself there um it's a, it's kind of a strange phrasing because sober to me I I don't resonate with a sober lifestyle or a sober choice or a sober I have to do sobriety because I'm an addict um or I'm in recovery that and I read um I read Quit Like a Woman, which talks a lot about alternatives to um, the 12-step program. And I i think I'd heard some more things, um, either read them or saw them on social media about Sober Curious and, you know, alcohol abuse being on the spectrum, like a spectrum. And that made a lot of sense to me because, I, you know, it's not... It's not a life or death decision for me, um, a choice because I if I choose to drink, you know, I'll spiral and you know, um it, it could lead to to really drastic consequences for me. I'm more in the middle to low middle where it's problematic, um, it's not necessarily an addiction. Um and I think so sobriety is is just a strange not it's not a good fit for me Mm -hmm. um so the word sober kind of like I'm I'm a little a little uncomfortable with that but I like the curious part sure (laughs) a lot because I think what it it, it's more of an openness Mm -hmm. to shifting without judgment without shame without um some of the like you know vast restrictions that are necessary and really important for people that are Um, In recovery. And I think for me, I think it's a lot more um, acceptable to not not wholly acceptable, but I think it's more acceptable to um, not drink. You know, there's more options at restaurants. Um, I think there's still a lot of social pressure um, for me in particular. Sometimes I get a hard time from certain folks if I don't drink and I did before. So there's still a lot of the social pressures that I think people in recovery or people that have never drank experience. I'm still finding myself buffering from that a little bit in terms of who I spend time with, where I go. So so there's there's an exploration, I think, to this and figuring out what feels good to me and then a softer approach in terms of how I manage myself and my own thoughts and my own level of compassion that I have to myself um, as I'm trying to figure out what works best for me in this situation in relation to alcohol.
1: (laughs) I think that's beautifully said. Walk with me a little bit with kind of how are you navigating logistics of it, whether that's in friendship, like talking to friends who might be in that very social and love hanging out with you and let's go for drinks or, you know, very handily oriented. You're in Colorado. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and, And there's a lot of Alcohol centric, especially in beer. Yeah. I beer sense. bikes and bands is the,
2: the bees, huh? <laughs> 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 in Fort Collins. There's a strong brewery culture. There's yeah, distilleries yeah. here. There's a lot of alcohol floating about. There's some, you know, great places to eat that serve, you know, lots of interesting cocktails too. So it is it is hard. Um I I will say, you know, it like the COVID lifestyle was a bridge for me in many ways, um, <laughs> and to be honest, there my relationships have shifted. Um, I I haven't advertised that I am in this exploration mode. This is kind of this podcast, my cu- kind of my public announcement of that. Wow. In ways. Anyway. So I think I haven't made a big splash about this i've i've tried to just say i'm not drinking right now or can we go somewhere else because i'm not drinking right now um and i i'm careful about saying the right now part because it's present for me mm-hmm. i don't it, it feels restrictive to commit myself to something that i'm not 100 sure i can you know Commit to, like I'm going the whole year without drinking. I, I'm not. I'm wary of those kind of goals um, because I don't want people to ask me about it necessarily. Oh, I thought you weren't drinking with judgment, like a criticism. I don't know. I don't feel like I want that level of accountability. That um, either for myself or for others in this kind of curious and exploration mode. So. I have been trying to find places that I can go that offer more options than just alcohol. Um, I love kombucha, so that helps. <laughs> there's lots of kombucha in Colorado. Uh-huh. Um, have it on tap. Um, you know, there's, you know, one of my favorite pubs doesn't have mocktails. So I just wrote them a comment on their. They had a survey and I, I filled out a survey online and said, I think you might want to consider offering more non-alcoholic options so I can come here with my family and still enjoy your great appetizers. So I think there's some exploration. And I will say in some some ways, I'm avoiding the people that I know are going to give me a hard time about this. (laughs) And that's probably to my benefit in more ways ways than one.
1: Whether you're in recovery or alcohol-free or substance-free, there is stigma that is Deep I and mean, it's very very real, With God for some of the severity of the spectrum you are on the drinking, non-drinking side, right? right. And so, um, conversations are going to be had, and how do you navigate some of those things? So now that you're kind of hesitant and or you know not really jumping in their face like, hey, let's have this talk. Um, what do you find that you're doing? Um, If you're not engaging with some of these folks, are there other things that you're doing that you find um, that you enjoy because you're not drinking right now? Yeah,
2: I think um, I am in a process of redefining fun because I think fun to me used to be partying and, Mm -hmm. you know, but um, like I was just in Mexico um, last month and I was with... A family and, you know, we're not, I'm not going to have a pile of drinks and then, you know, hang out with children. Like that's, that doesn't seem like a, a good choice to me. You. Um, you know, so it was, we had, I had one daiquiri that was hand, you know, we made, was not light on alcohol and we played some games and it, it was interesting to me in that example where I had a great time before. I don't think I would have, I probably wanted. Would have or wanted one more drink or more. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just wasn't necessary. It was, I think there's just a more mature approach to those situations. And there wasn't any pressure for, you know, we weren't all having multiple drinks. It was lighter. It was easier. And, um, that kind of family atmosphere really helped with that transition. And I didn't like guilt myself for having one daiquiri. Um, it, you know, it wasn't, it was easy. That particular situation was easy. I can't say that I've had all of those situations be easy, but I think I'm really trying to pick and choose where I go and who I spend my time with right now. So it's safe for me. Um, and I have had more conversations of late with friends, um, and, you know, I pick lunches or breakfasts or coffee instead of, you know, happy hours. That's easier. Um, and I don't know what, I don't know what fun, I don't know. I don't know. I'm still like redefining what the fun part is, but I think I can still have it. I just think it's going to look different.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm going to get back to that for a second. I, I wanted to kind of go back to a word that you said was safe. Define that for me. What 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 is that for you in this context?
2: Um, I think it's. I mean, I already mentioned a little bit. I think some of it's like not feeling defensive, um, and or feeling like I'm messing up somebody's wine pairing with the food because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have drinks. Um, you know, I, I have encountered those situations before when I, you know, maybe the last two years where I was trying not to drink and just felt the pressure to do so on somebody else's behalf. So I think the safety is, are you going to listen to me? Are you going to listen to my reasonings? Are you going to trust that I'm making a good choice for myself without pressuring me to do something that you're uncomfortable with or it reflects? I mean, it's interesting. I'm sure people that are recovery this. I'm assuming, but, you know, you bring up That you're not drinking and people immediately say something like, oh, I could never do that. Or I, you know, or bring up their own, how much they drink and, you know, it's like um, immediately reflects back to them on where they're at with this particular topic. So I think it's tricky, um, but I'm trying to make a lot of changes around my relationships um, to have healthier relationships in general. And this is just, it almost is like a proof And to some degree. It, um, if somebody doesn't pass this test, <laughs> it's an indication to me that like, mm, maybe this isn't, you know, an A-level friendship. You know, if you think about A, B, C-level friendships, you know, I mean, maybe you're not in the tightest group, tightest circle at this point.
1: So would that mean that they've been more open, flexible, and supportive of kind of wherever you are Yes. You I know with judgment.
2: Thing. Yeah. I think judgment is is really or defensiveness is it either they they feel defensive with my choice. Sure. Which it's my choice, or they make, you know, incite that those feelings in me. Um so it's a lot of it just how people react
1: to it. Mm-hmm. Let's get back to fun because you get to explore and reimagine what could be. And I think your story, what you're sharing, Katie, is probably going to resonate to a lot of people who are on that spectrum, right? It's not addiction or in recovery. It's There's so many other places and, and we are now moving in a place and time where people kind of reevaluate that relationship. Mm-hmm. I think COVID to your point really spotlighted like a lot of stuff, whether it was mental health, whether it was addiction. Um, a lot of people suffered during that time on so many levels, regardless yeah. of what spec- they land in the spectrum. So with that, I'm just curious about when you were younger, like I think about childhood, I will ask some clients that we coach, coaching, probably done this too, some of your clients like As a kid, what did you find exciting or what did you find energizing? Um, And I just spoke to someone about something similar about like play and fun. And they mentioned, you know, they had to or they continue to look back at what did they enjoy as a child um, and see if some of that can be reimagined. Because like you're talking about, there's so much ritual and doing fun things as a an adult whether it's a club whether it's a bar whether it's a comedy club whether it's you know brunches, with tons the mimosas and shit like this um but you know I, i'm just curious about you know when you are in this process of reimagining fun what kind of things come up for you with that process look like or looking like for now
2: I like, I mean, I really like to look back at childhood approach. I hadn't really thought about it that way because we weren't going to clubs as 10-year-olds. <laughs> well, <maybe laughs> well, I mean, so, I'm, maybe bro. most of us weren't anyway. Sure. Um, I think, but we, you could dance as a 10-year-old. You could be, you know, any kind of dancer that you wanted to be and you didn't need formal training or anything, right? Um, it didn't matter how good of a dancer you were when you were 10. Yeah. Um, no, I really like the, like kind of taking the childlike approach to it. I I think what I'm coming to is it's really for me, um, much more about quality mm-hmm. with others. Um, I do really enjoy one-on-one exchanges with folks. Um, but even in my social groups, I want to be around people I trust. Like I think... There are many people I've been around over the course of my life that I wanted to trust or I thought I could trust, but weren't trustworthy Mm -hmm. in a lot of different ways. And I think, you know, having more meaningful and um, trustworthy relationships allows you to do, you know, you can have fun in different ways. It doesn't have to be you know, um, some type of alcoholic alteration to your personality. So you're more comfortable. I think the more comfortable I become with myself, um, it really just kind of, I could share that more openly with others. So, you know, I think if I look back to that example, I gave in Mexico, that was a group of people I trust, you know, it's not like we all like everything about each other in that environment but we were played you know i think we played oh no it was awesome we had so much fun um it wasn't dramatic you know nobody said anything stupid because they were you know drinking or um you know not in control of themselves so it just i think that to me was a great environment um to have fun. So I think I'll be looking for more of that. And I'll have to think a little bit more about what was fun for um, little girl Kate when she was, you know, seven or eight or 10, or even a teenager, even before all those things that, um, you know, made things messy were introduced. So I love
1: that. I mean, she kind of looks through it through that lens could be very curious curious driven without the pub yeah. or naming the problem. um mm-hmm. but you know so from there um you also chose to be not drinking or alcohol free for other reasons too what some of the what kind of benefits are you experiencing now physically or even emotionally from this choice
2: i i think for me The primary driver, um, is been my health. I, um, like I said earlier, my body's never really liked alcohol. I had a very strong sensitivity to it. It's as I've gotten older, it's just become worse that way. So I think for me, um, my body has been telling me this is um, a no, you know, kind of a no go situation for a while. Yeah. And I'm really starting to like it's becoming enough of problematic where I don't feel good mm-hmm. almost sometimes instantaneously. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, it, the, the regret, sense of regret over the physical aspects of it is much stronger than it has or ha- ever has been. So to me, that the health benefits are mm-hmm. really primary. I think, um, Once I've gotten through that kind of inclination to want to have a drink or use drink as maybe a coping mechanism, if I've had a hard day, like I've kind of gotten through that hump, Um, which to me is was the thing that I kind of struggled with before. Like, oh, I had a really stressful day. I want to want to have a drink. Um, you know, with all the XX excuses behind it. Um, So I think it's probably, you know, it's better for my mental health. And I know that I'm stronger. Like, I don't necessarily need it. It's not helpful the way that I thought it was for so many years, Um, you know, as a way of coping with stress. Like, that's just kind of crap. Like, I've really learned other skills or other tools. um, And it's just not worth it to me anymore, I think, um, you know, this is all kind of woven together, but, you know, I have better relationships. I'm hanging out with people that are healthier and more self-aware and, you know, don't shame me or, um, you know, try to talk me into something I'm pretty sure I don't want to do. So please trust me on that. Um, So I think that that's, you know, a really healthy benefit as well. Um, you know, obviously I save money. I'm not going to the liquor store and, you know, dropping cash on booze and, and whatnot. Um, your restaurant bill is lower. So I'm cheap (laughs) date now, you know, my husband. Um, Yeah. And I, you know, I think it's helped when I think about my relationship with my husband, who's the person I live with and I'm closest to in many ways. I think it's helped that. I don't, um, I'm not as moody, I think, I don't lose my shit, and you know, um, emotionally, if we're having an argument, I've had a couple drinks in me. Yes. So, you know, I think my self management is just much more improved. And I, I would hope—I haven't asked him, but I would hope that that would be something he would be benefiting from as well, in terms of how I show up on a day-to-day basis in our relationship.
1: Thanks being that they said. I mean so many things can are shifting to you as you described that, um, that are going well. So practically, and as a coach, people are asking you for how to do certain things or what insights could be helpful for steps. Um what what things actually help you get through some of the rough stuff where a drink normally with a plate like a relaxing all for you, like what really has helped you go. I'm not drinking today. I'm not drinking tomorrow. Um, Sounds great, but we know that's not in the scene. Yeah,
2: it really isn't easy. I think it's a multi-pronged approach. I don't think it's, at least for me, it's not just been one thing that has allowed me to consistently apply kind of no- or less drinking policy. I think I, um, and I'm not recreating any wheel. I had heard, um, I heard Glennon Doyle on a podcast, her podcast once say that she just asked herself, is it really a drink? Or is it maybe my body just is thirsty for water? So I go drink a glass of water first. And I think many of us are really out of can be or really are really out of touch with what our body needs and what it um, could use in moments of stress, maybe a deep breath. I think moment to moment you can get through these situations by, you know, simply kind of driving or grounding back into your body. So I do do that. And sometimes I just try to wait it out. Like if I'm still a pain when I'm, you know, I, I've been under some stress lately. If I really feel a really strong inclination, just like, oh, just wish, you know, mm-hmm. um, I just try to wait it out. Like maybe just give myself, okay, see if you still want it in 10 minutes. And oftentimes I'll, it'll just go away. Like it just needed that attention and you know just pausing, which I know is not easy, but I do have some questions that I ask myself. What is that really what I need right now? Would it help me? Um, because sometimes I, I will say, um, when I've um, you know, chosen to drink under stress. And I I will say, you know, like in the last few months I've done that. I I all those reasons I didn't want to drink went out the window. And then it was like, I had to deal with the consequences, right? Mm-hmm. I had to feel it in my body. I had to remember why I didn't want to do it. Mm. Because sometimes it is it is a forgetting game and you're, you're doing it on purpose. So I think developing some important whys are really critical. Um, and then whatever you can do to pause, I think can be really helpful. Distract yourself somehow. Um, maybe it's a glass of water. Maybe it's, you know go for a walk around the block or something Um, that those, you know, I don't have like a vast skills, you know, tool toolbox in this for this particular challenge. But I think anything you can do to to kind of um, wait it out and, you know, see what happens. See if you still want that choice
1: after asking yourself some
2: questions and pausing.
1: And when you do that and you have been doing that, what what happens to you? My like goes in the brain after that. Well, I don't know specifically. What do I bring? i climb the
2: stairs and see what's going on up there. Um, I think, it, I mean, I, honestly, I feel like it's this strong, like an urge or an inclination. And... In, I think it's just by waiting it out somehow or distracting my somehow, it's just like an impulse that goes away. Mm. And you know, like, you know, you know, this isn't the same for, for people that are have more um, of an addiction or a more problematic relationship with alcohol. I think I can do that. Um, but I think the reason I think I'm on the spectrum is because sometimes I don't make that choice. Um, and then, you know, the set first drink turns into the second drink, particularly if I'm by myself and there's no one around me. Um, So, you know, I think that there are problematic behaviors. I've had to figure out how to um, either rewire or navigate around. Um, But yeah, I don't know if it's a perfect system for anyone else, but those are kind of the things that have worked for me.
1: I think that's very insightful because... The biggest thing that I'm hearing right now is be aware of it. You can call it something like folks with addiction are not always so mindful. You know, yeah. they, they're not. And But when they can be mindful and, you know, for some folks that I have Wall Street treating, when they can acknowledge what's going on, they, it loses the power of Wall Like, my hey, fuck, what is that? Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more of, okay, now I have this. Um, and maybe I have a different choice. So I love when you say you have really strong whys, like, yeah, why is this coming up? I may not know that, but do I need this? Is it really that important? Yeah, you know, to have happen, but I think having that sensibility and that awareness can take some of that power away, and then you can wait it out. Like, breathing is a very big one, right? Mindful breathing or mindfulness. Um, strategies, stretching, sometimes taking a yeah. walk. Um, one of the things I wanted to highlight what you just said too was sometimes we don't know what our body wants and just about acknowledging. Is it because I'm thirsty? I think that's a great question. Um, and hopefully some people might want to reply to that. I think that could be very, very helpful regarding simply lying. That's my thing So thank you for, for sharing that. Um with this movement, for your this decision or a constant, it's a process, right? Is that an accurate thing? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. With this process, you know, because you were kind of figuring this out on your own, um, some of them were referring to this and they're like, in the a little Wilson, it was changing. Um, What would you tell them if they are contemplating this? <laughs> Put your pistol head on and making a super like coach on there? What, What would you suggest? I think
2: what's, it's interesting for me how different this is from how I've operated before. I think I used goals or restrictions as a way of changing behavior for myself. I'm very, I like goals. I've worked toward them. But, um, my goal for this year was to be alcohol free in 2023 and that I went to Mexico and I felt like having a drink and I didn't judge myself for it. Uh, I thought about it, but it just, it didn't, I didn't make it a big deal that I didn't drink. And I think, um, before I would have the self-critic would have the inner critic would have started in on that like oh I just already you know I'm two weeks in I already blew it or you know just being really harsh and and judgmental toward myself and I think not having a goal or something some type of really restrictive thing that I'm going to beat myself up with if I fall down on um, is you know maybe some of the difference between somebody who's exploring sort being sober, you know, the sober curious path versus somebody that has to, you know, approach it very differently and more restrictively that's an addiction. I think for me, it's really about maybe softening the path and not making it about um, just, you know, really kind of embracing some of the key key things that people in 12-step programs use. I am am working on my self-awareness, I am trying to be accountable. I am managing my side of the street. Mm-hmm. You know, there are really good, you know, concepts within that. It's just not, um, it just has more flexibility because I I have the ability to approach it that way. So um, I will say I have used, I, I am on a pal, path of self-discovery. I do put a lot of effort into raising myself of awareness. Either through the Enneagram has been my kind of go to for that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's something I put a lot of effort into. Um, Mindfulness is not, you know, it's a practice. It's not something that, you know, the goal that you cross and then you're done. It's a constant effort. Um, And I think it's just not making it, you know, the effort be something that's really hard. Um, or, you know, har- harming, self-harming in terms of how you treat yourself when you um, make a different choice. That sounds
1: like you have some degree of girls.
2: I think it's really crucial on this, honestly. I don't feel, I mean, I think that's to me what's not appealing about um, some of the approaches with other paths toward, you know, not being sober, quote unquote, Is that there, I don't feel like it's a graceful, non-shaming approach. Um, And I think that's important to me in a lot of different ways. I think we're all, many of us are so hard on ourselves to, you know, anyway, and can pull up all kinds of experiences that where we didn't do things as well as we could or showed up as our best selves. I don't, I don't need more of that in my life. You know, I've spent plenty of years doing that. So I think it's how can I use the lessons that I have to make my um, the reasons for me not to drink more important than the ones that there are.
1: Beautiful. So, if there was two key things that you're learning about yourself in this process and exploration, what are they? Like I could have said three. I'm just saying two. two or three.
2: It's a great coaching question too, mainly. Hey, thanks. Um, I think, you know, I like the word grace. I have been using it a lot. So it's interesting that you bring it up. I think that, you know, some grace has a lot of opportunities. It comes from a very heart-centered approach. Um, So I like that. I think not making it this huge thing either is important for me because I think... If I make it like this big saying, I'm always going to be thinking about it. And then, you know, then it, it makes itself. so, you know, I don't need it to take over my life. I'm not in that position. Um, thankfully, I think not making a big deal, Grace. And then, I mean, I, I am a curious person. I just don't think I'm always curious about myself. So um, I think turning the curiosity that I often express toward others and my clients and my friends, my relationships, um, it's a different approach for me to turn that inward and really empowering, honestly, because I, I spend a lot of time and focus on others.
1: Awesome. So, so you're hanging on to
2: the mic. That's I am great. hanging on to the mic. I'm doing the best yeah. that I can. I do drop it now and then, but you know,
0: both <laughs> <Well, laughs> habits. I, yeah, I
1: really appreciate you kind of walking us through kind of your exploration, of things that you're learning. This is no perfect system. And I think um, and I was sharing this with another person, sober curiosity and um is not a new idea necessarily because it's been around for 2012 since 2012. Mm-hmm. Um and what's interesting is you are part of this thing, whether it's a movement or revolution, whether people are subscribing to sober curious, but there is something about this timing of um, maybe it's COVID that highlighted this kind of thoughts, um, exploration or questioning. Um, so I will always get back to kind of that reimagining um, rituals and reimagining from a childlike curiosity. What can play and fun become through you know, some like that lens, but in this healthier lens that you now have? So Now, one more question. Because you're a coach, share a little bit briefly about the Enneagram. And because of these personal choices that you're making to be healthier, um, that means also alcohol free. How is that impacting your work?
2: Right. Well, the Enneagrams, uh, it's a system of nine types or patterns. And I think what it's done for me is um, help me see what, is really driving my, um, both my strengths and my challenges. And I think to me, the beautiful gift of the Enneagram is it really can help you look at where your blind spots are Mm -hmm. and gives you, um, access to different tools, um, of your personality to help, you know. Manage stress, or how you show up when you're really upset, um, and what those patterns are. And I think for me, it's been a great tool for self awareness. I don't know that I've thought about like I think it, for me, it's just overall stress management. And for me, mm-hmm. I'm a a two an in pattern two. Um, I lead with that, so that is really affects my relationships. And like I mentioned, I focus a lot on other people and less on myself. So it. It, that's part of my work and my journey is really folk, you know, turning that amazing grip, gift of attuning to others and being generous and helping others and turning that toward myself, which I don't, it's much harder for me to do. <laughs> and it's less habit, it's less focused. So for me, the Enneagram has been a beautiful, amazing system for building that self-awareness and trying to figure out, okay, I am in stress, knowing and be able to label it has been really helpful to me and then then I can deploy different strategies um, to move through that process and really you know get to a better place um intentionally. So I think that that's been the power of that. Um, and, you know it's it's a privilege and an honor to to walk that path with other people, but it's most important that I start with myself. so that's really how it's shown up for me.
1: And because of your healthy choices for, for at this moment uh, being alcohol free, has that impacted your work? Uh,
0: you
2: know, I I think it. Anything I can do to add clarity has really been helpful to me. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I have more energy. I feel like I've got. Okay. Um, I'm not preoccupied. I feel like the swings that sometimes alcohol use um entails, or, you know, those edges have been really kind of, um, kind of curved. So I don't feel I'm as moody. Um, and I think that helps everything, including my work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have been really busy in the last couple of years. And I just don't see how I would be able to do the things that I want to do and show up, you know, in the ways that I want to show up if I was drinking the way
1: that I used to. And if people wanted to talk to you more about it, would you be open to that? I mean, you could just tell me. Nobody needs to know. Absolutely. No, no.
2: Yeah, no people are welcome to reach out.
1: And how do they do that? Uh,
2: people can email me at katie at insights-coaching.com. Um, you can go to my website, which is insights-coaching.com as well. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm open to it. I, I think it's interesting. I don't really have a lot of people that um, I'm sharing, you know, talking to about this or I don't feel like I've got a community of sober, curious people right now. So well, it's a
1: podcast, to- isn't it? I know it's
2: my I'm a okay. <laughs> So, yeah, invite me to your, you know, group or whatnot. I really want to express my thanks for making it safe and conversational. I think that makes it a lot easier to talk about it. Um, And I, you know, I don't really like holding the mic and talking about myself. So you made it a lot easier to do that. So I appreciate that.
1: Absolutely. Again, the privilege is all mine.
0: Thank you again, Caden, for your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Recovery Plus Podcast, Fuck Yesterday, Focus on Today. I'm your host, Dr. Mailey Hennan, celebrating and honoring people in recovery one conversation at a time. This podcast is sponsored by Red Door Coaching and Consulting, and you can find my podcast on Amazon, Apple, and Spotify. Also, you can find me at my website at www.reddoorcc.com. You can email me at mhenon at reddoorcc.com if you're interested in transformational coaching. Thanks again for listening. Talk soon.